Welcome to The Alex Tremble Show, where we share the strategies and secrets you need to know in order to successfully increase your influence, build strategic networks, and advance in your career. An award-winning speaker, author, and leadership coach, Alex brings executive leaders from across the world to share their inspirational stories and insights to help you become an exceptional public servant while also reaching your career goals. Without further ado, here's your host, Alex D. Tremble. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trumbull, and thank you so much for joining me again here today on The Alex Trumbull Show. Whether it's good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, I am so appreciative to have you with us on this journey, on this learning and developmental journey. And today, it is still Women's History Month. And so if you haven't seen the trend, I I wanted to introduce you to some women who are close to me, who've accomplished some really phenomenal things that I knew they could bring their advice, their ideas to the table to help you and me grow and make sure that we reach our ultimate career and personal goals. Now, this week's guest is Holly Houston, and she is phenomenal. Having worked over two decades in the high stakes crisis response, humanitarian action and civil military coordination, there's almost no one more qualified to be able to talk about overcoming one's fears to reach their goals and ultimately leveraging your fears, leveraging those those difficult situations and in those times in our life where we felt so down, leveraging those to make sure that we come out as a phoenix, grow and do be and do even greater things in our life. I'm super excited if you can't tell or not. <laughs> Look, we're going to be talking about some great topics. Again, specifically, uh, we have a really great and intense conversation on fear and how to overcome that. But what I want to do here is I want to challenge you. Um, we talk about these concepts of, of fear and, and overcoming these these negative instances in our life, but I want to know what you think. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you have other strategies that you use or have seen used effectively to overcome fear and leverage those those bad and negative circumstances in life to overcome and reach one's goal? And if you do have some ideas and thoughts after you listen to this video, again, go to alextremble.com and you'll be able to click on the blog. And I want to hear your thoughts, your ideas. And as always, again, the more people who subscribe to this community, if you go to the alextrembleshow.com, scroll all the way to the bottom of the page. If you enter and join our community, once we have a thousand more people, I'm going to do something pretty cool. I'm going to start having these these phenomenal leaders that we're listening to, like today, Holly, and we're going to start doing some of these live so you can ask questions as well. And But I need to know that that's what you want. And the way that I'm going to know if that's what you want is if you go to thealextrembleshow.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, enter your email information where we can make sure we keep count of who all wants to be on this journey with us and there you go (laughs) look without any further ado here's my good friend holly hewson hello everyone this is alex from the alex trimble show and i'm so excited to have our guest here today we're in for a a very interesting thought-provoking and i am absolutely sure fun conversation with today's guest today's guest is holly hewson how are you doing today madam I'm well, thank you. Thank you, Alex. No pressure there. No, oh no, a lot of pressure. There's, there's a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, where I thought I wanted to start this conversation off with is a, a, a kind of a softball question, okay? A softball question. Um, so you've held assignments ranging from refugee integration to South Sudan. Um, you advised the international security forces in Afghanistan on stabilization and governance. Um, are, you, are you a member of like MI6 or the CIA? Like, wh- wh- who are you? <laughs> It's so funny that 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 comes up over the, I get, I get either 
I mean, when you're just speaking to someone who says, so what is it you do? And they expect me to say, you know, um, I, I, I work at a, you know, at, at a shop or something. And, uh, and, and yeah, they either say something like, are you, uh, you know, yeah, something like that CIA or, or, or I get the other one I get is, are you a missionary? I was like, no, no, neither. As far as I know. Although, um, you know, who knows, who knows who's been using my, my mobile phone over the years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess when I was originally learned about you, and I, um, I think you're going to share some really funny stories later on because I know we're, we're going to make it happen because you and I have had so many funny conversations. But when I learned about you, I did initially assume that you were military, right? Or some kind of military background because of your ability um, because you've been able to kind of integrate yourself into that arena, that military place, uh, zone, and work with leaders um, at all different um, levels, but especially senior leaders on, on making stuff happen. So I guess my, my I guess the first question I have is, how did you get into this work? And what is, quote unquote, this work that you do? Mm. Yes. Um, so this work you know, I, I would say, traditionally, I would say humanitarian, I'm a humanitarian aid worker, or I have been a humanitarian aid worker. Um, and, um, but like, like, you know, often that gets the question, like the earlier response, so do you work with AIDS, you know, and, and it's, um, and, and, and what I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand is that, I mean, I think most people understand, you know, the military role, I, I mean, at least at, at, at a you know, but sort of general level. Um, and what we don't necessarily understand is, is over time, but especially in the 20th century, and especially following the Second World War, we, you know, the, the, there began to be this awareness of kind of what the Red Cross, the International Red Cross was the pioneer. And, and it was sort of, how, how do we protect the, the innocent non-combatants, the civilians in, in conflict? And so initially they were sort of volunteer efforts and, um, you know, that, that really, you know, especially you know, in the 60s, the, the Biafra War, um, uh, you know, Sri Lanka, I mean, there's, there's different sort of significant um, conflicts that, that triggered, especially as we began to increase, like with Vietnam, increasingly, you know, the, the population at home could see via cameras, via journalists, via media, what was actually happening. And so over time, there began, you know, kind of this developed this professionalization of of humanitarian assistance, of emergency response. But the question is, that's not really what you asked me, I guess. Um, the question is, how did I get into it? And, um, well, I suppose in some ways, like many of us, by, by failure, um, I knew having studied abroad in the UK for six years that I wanted international work and was fascinated by what I learned in, in a very diverse student body as opposed to growing up in California with, you know, pretty, you know, a more, um, sort of Hispanic, Caucasian, African-American, you know, kind of, but I mean, this was still with that American umbrella. And so I was fascinated by the nuance and the things that I learned and wanted to work internationally. Thought at first, since I had studied history uh, for my bachelor's and master's that I would teach internationally. And my goodness, my teaching years quickly taught me I didn't want to fight children for a living. And so, um, which is my experience of trying to teach high school history to, 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 to students in the States. And so I had friends, a lot of my friends from university had gone into humanitarian aid or emergency response and were out responding to the, to the war and the conflict in Kosovo in um, 1999, 2000. Oh dear, I've just dated myself. And so um, I guess it's all on LinkedIn. But uh, the, yeah, so basically I had a friend from university who heard me saying, what am I gonna do? I'm not, I, I don't think teaching's enough from, it's not the right, there's not a fit here. And she just said, stop talking about interest in this work, just get out here. And so literally 20 years ago, last August, um, or you know, so just over 20 years ago, I got on a plane and went out as a volunteer and um, luckily through friends, I was able to kind of have that status as a volunteer, but over, you know, within a few months I had um, just learned on the job. You know, I, I could write proposals, I could go out and assess the situation. And Kosovo, I have to say, was a soft landing because as foreigners, we were largely heroes to the, to the majority 
local population. So that was a real soft landing. Everywhere I've worked since has, has gotten progressively less secure. <laughs> but that was a, it was a great place to learn. And I, I ended up getting picked up by a Danish organization because I had been a teacher. They needed an they were organizing or developing an education project. So it was kind of, a, I had some background um, in education. And so, yeah, I learned on the job and with, you know, over the next three years, got to see a project through what we call project cycle management, which you know, starts from idea, design, implementation, monitoring, evaluation, and then, you know, closing out. Um, so I, I, was, I was fortunate in that way. That was a long answer. Oh, no, I, you, you, you shared so much within that, that answer. And I have a lot of stuff to pull from. Um, I mean, to be completely honest, the first thing I wanted to ask about in response to that was you just left. I mean, who who does that, right? Who's just, who just takes a leap of faith um, that, that things are going to work out, um, yet you did it? And I, I guess I, I feel like I, I hear a lot of people, like your friend said, who, who, who talk about wanting to do something and wanting more in life and planning in life, but they never take that first step um, and you did it. And so I guess, how did, if you can remember, like how did that make you feel kind of just jumping in the fire and trying to swim? I guess that, 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 that metaphor that makes sense, jumping in the fire and trying to swim, but you get where I'm going. You get where I'm going. I was like, well, I guess the fire went out because um, I'm in the water now, right? <laughs> if I go there. But it's funny what you say because um, in some, I, I, I'm actually writing a book kind of unpacking some of these why. I get that question a lot. Why would you ever go? And, and, and of course, like I say, Kosovo was a pretty soft landing. Um, but I, I've gotten that many times over the years when I've, spoken publicly or been asked to speak about my work, um, especially coming back home to, to, to the States. And um, so it's funny you said about jumping in the water because in some ways, <laughs> I, I've, I've had the confidence to challenge received wisdom or what I was told or authority from a very young age, not least of which I got myself into trouble by jumping in the water uh, when I didn't know how to swim and nearly drowned. Uh, in my cousin's backyard pool as a little girl. So um, let's just say that the lack of knowledge about a situation or the lack of technical expertise to swim has not stopped me from jumping in the water. Um, although fortunately my, my cousin was able to, to pull me out because I was absolutely drowning. So I don't recommend that necessarily <laughs> um, per se, but I have to say that in some ways I was fortunate because I was raised while I was raised quite sheltered, um, you know, uh, sort of in the, in the country, no television, I mean, kind of rural, right? Real rural um, and clueless in many ways. But I was also raised by, I come from three generations of clergy, three generations of nurses. My great grandfather had been a missionary to Brazil. I mean, we still have his machete that he used to hack through, you know, the jungles to get to you know, remote villages and, and whatever you think of missionaries. And like I said, I am not a missionary and, and not about um, converting anyone. But uh, certainly that legacy and those stories were with me from my earliest days. So, and I had a father that had taken a year out of university to study and I mean, started to teach English in Hong Kong and traveled and had adventures. And so grew up with stories and the encouragement to that your life, the, the highest life, the highest, the highest life you can live on and is, is to give one of service and contribution. So I knew service was key. I knew I didn't want a typical life. I knew I wanted adventure and to see the world from my earliest days. But, um, well, and then of course, studying abroad, I can't encourage that enough that, you know, we, especially in times when we're, when we're, when we're divided and frustrated, you know, by so many dynamics across the planet, but, you know, in our own countries, you know, getting out of your own backyard, getting out of your own town, getting across those borders, seeing how things can be different. And especially as an American, you know, um, right on the cusp of the sort of the end of the Cold War. My first year in the UK, I had a German roommate and the Berlin Wall had just come down. And 
you know, I kind of arrived with this notion, superficial ideas that America, the West, capitalism, democracy had won. And, you know, you know um, even though I was quite young. And I, one of the most significant experiences, um, a threshold for me was listening to this West, quote, West German, now in unified Germany, but roommate genuinely concerned about what unification meant and who are these people and what does it mean to our economy. And so in an era where I've seen my own country get quite nervous about immigration, it's just, it was so significant to have that in the back of my mind, that memory of actually Germany, you know, went through its own challenges and unification was not some, you know, sort of piece of cake. Um, anyways, so I, th I think that learning that, learning that the, the, the nuance is, the answer is in nuance. And I was able, luckily I was able to learn that as a young sort of teenager, 18 year old abroad. Um, but I think it's more important even now, you know, 30 years later, it couldn't be more important to realize that what we see is not necessarily what we should believe or repeat. We, we've got to flesh out the nuance. Oh, oh. I want to make a really one quick statement and then I'm going to go back to what you just said. You, you remind me earlier about uh, kind of, I always tell people uh, fear is like fire, right? Fear is like fire. And what makes fire um, grow is oxygen, right? And so if you want to take, you want to bring down a fire, you take out the oxygen and, and it will subside. Um, and so what would be the oxygen for fear is time. The more time you give a fear, the greater it can grow because you're going to keep thinking about every possible thing that could go wrong and you're going to talk yourself into not doing anything and all oh, this will happen, this will happen versus kind of just taking the step and jumping out there and trying it and, and figuring it out. And so it sounds like you you didn't allow yourself to 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 have that oxygen, to have, to have that time to let those fears um, become too big that would stop you forever. So you just took a step. Um, and then it makes me think of, uh, I think it was like, I'm reading a book right, right now called um, The Future is Faster Than You Know. And I think, I'm not sure if it was Elon Musk or it was Steve Jobs or, or one of them. They said, if you're not embarrassed with your first product, you waited too long. You, you got to put something out there, put something out there and grow. I tell people all the time, if you look at my YouTube page, the first video I have right now, is this like really messed up video, actually <laughs> me in this white shirt, stretched out white shirt, laying over the bed, kind of looking at the screen, talking about, you know, some, some young lady contacted me out of nowhere saying I've been mentoring her for years um, via Facebook. I didn't even know it. And it was, so it was, it was, it was about unconscious mentoring, but that one step, I've been wanting to do video for years, but I kept waiting. Oh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And I just took the step. And I'm like, oh, it's not that bad. And I kept going, getting better. And so it sounds like you, you one, didn't allow yourself to, to have the time to talk yourself out of it. But two, you, you took that step. Um, you, you, you put out a product. You, you put yourself out there knowing that you weren't perfect, but that you would refine consistently. Is, is that, is that what, I'm, what I'm, is that what I heard? Yes. And I think that's a, that's a great, um, a great narrative for, I would say, two things that are critical that I learned. So one, learn how to manage fear. Because as I said, and we don't have to go into all the details, but every location I worked after Kosovo was successively more and more dangerous. And of course, I'm operating aid workers, you know, to, to, to maintain humanitarian principles of impartiality, neutrality, independence. We operate okay, I'm gonna say tradition, in the traditional posture, maybe some things are starting to change, but unarmed. I mean, we can't, we can't defend our, our position, our, and, and that, that vulnerability, you, you, that's not a, a choice, that's up front because we're working in war zones, we're working in places that are highly insecure. And so you do have to learn to manage fear. So one, I would say some thought, I could offer some thoughts on managing fear and, and then the other would be risking trust because, you know, as an aid worker, you are constantly risking trust in strangers. You're putting your life in the hands of strangers. You know, someone in Copenhagen says you can trust that the driver's going to be there when you land at midnight mm -hmm. in, in, in Tebe airport in Uganda and he's not there. <laughs> and so now what, you know, and, 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 you know, and now GPS mobile phone, I mean, there's, it's different, but, 
there's still going to be scenarios now that I didn't, and with technology, I didn't have, you know, 15 to, um, 18, 15 years ago or so, but the, so, so learning to manage fear, but learning to risk trust and, the, you know, taking that risk, absolutely make it calculated. I mean, when I had to choose which of these taxi drivers to choose to trust and I am going to a place I don't know, and, I, and I've never been in the country and it's already midnight and they know I'm vulnerable because I was going to sleep in the airport, but the airport kicked me out because it closes. Um, and so, you know, you, you know, think carefully, like, and I, I, I quickly you know, thought of a criteria. Okay. If I have to defend myself, well, I'm one, I'm probably still going to lose, but let me choose the man that maybe has the slightest build that if I have the, maybe the best chance, if I have to, you know, try to fend him off, if I, I, cause I don't know if I can trust him. The other thing I, and I've, I've borrowed this from working in highly traditional cultures. They read the eyes and they will say, we read your soul and your integrity through your eyes. So they might be illiterate, but they, 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 will ha they might have a very sophisticated assessment of you and whether they can trust you. And so, yeah, I, I thought, well, choose the taxi driver with the kindest eyes. Um, and so that's an example where, but the more you do that, and, and, and that, that, that evening, into the morning hours turned out fine. And it's not to say things can't go wrong, but yeah, we do, you, we do have to, courage is a skill, it's a muscle to exercise. And just so just going back to the fear point, because I think that's a really critical one when we have so many reasons to be afraid, so much of what, let's say some of the population has taken for granted, is they're not able to take it for granted. And, 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 you know, and what does it mean to share power and space? There's just a, let alone, you know, a virus that we're still trying to, 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 to defeat. Um, that managing fear, I, something I had to learn was um, managing the fear that keeps you alive, right? Listen to your gut instincts. And until you've put yourself into a place that's not comfortable, so growing a comfort with discomfort is key as well. And that you can do that starting at home. You don't have to get on a plane to, you know, um, Baghdad tomorrow. Um, but, you know, you know, growing a comfort with discomfort, understanding like how I can, you know, maybe it's a cold shower. I mean, I don't know, you know, start, start small, uh, you know, turn off the electricity for, turn off your mobile phone. Come on, you know, there's, there's a lot of things you can do to get uncomfortable in this day and age without leaving your home. But, you know, learning what is that fear that says, okay, don't go down that alley, you know, stay this way. Pretend you're talking to someone on your phone because you think someone's following you. I don't know you, you know, you just listen to those instincts that keep you alive for sure. But distinguish, you know, that you take action, you move through that fear. The fear you have to be careful of is the fear that can start to become toxic. And that's what you're talking about. You know, that, that can become that you can paralyze yourself or you start getting paranoid. And I would say it was twice in my career, you know, where I, I, I started to feel like I'm starting to live in fear. I'm starting to see, and my gut tells me that, that, that my situation is not uh, say It's not an acceptable level of risk for me. And therefore I'm, I'm outside my, what, what I can, what's acceptable to my internal you know, radar. And so that's when you might need to get yourself out. So it's learning to, again, here we come. I think the theme is nuance, right? Managing the fear, I, I, I disaggregate. Is this a fear that keeps me alive? Take action. You should move forward. But is this something where I'm starting to just, and it can be the way, you know, your manager or your director is treating you. I mean, whatever it is, if you're, if you aren't, um, if you're, if you're sinking into that living in a state of fear, you're going to, you're going to, obscure your judgment and become a risk to yourself and to the people you lead. I, I, I love this, this conversation so much. Um, I love that you you pointed out that that fear is, is, is kind of grown, it's natured. Um, you know, th this idea that we have in the movies that there's just someone who's just, who's never taken any, um, any risk in their life and and then all of a sudden this one thing happened and they stood up and they saved the day that doesn't happen in real life um you you don't we don't we don't go from zero to a hundred in our courageousness um it, it maybe hypothetically someone's going to call me out and say well that this one time this one person did this one thing yes yeah, sure that's not the majority of us and so how you get there is by being very intentional 
with getting yourself out of your zone and you know, allowing yourself to be a little more courageous every day so you could you feel more comfortable in doing that. I, I love I love the intentionality that you spoke to about saying, you know, I'm in the house right now. What can I do that that can make me uncomfortable so I can be more comfortable with being uncomfortable? Like that, that's something that every absolutely everyone can do. There's another book of mine that I really enjoy reading. It's called the um, uh, I think it's called the Charisma Myth. And she talks about one of the one of the 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 cornerstones of having charisma is being comfortable with the uncomfortable. You can't. No one's gonna believe in it. You're all freaking out all the time, right? And so, I, and, and I, I just I just really appreciate what you just shared. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, well, I would I would also offer that. Um, yeah, it's a great example. The movies make it simple, right? And make it sound like, you know, the, the housewife who's never been challenged. Of course she's been challenged. I would actually argue, um, I mean, you know, kind of, you know, that what I've learned from close calls, you know, and, and, and then kind of processing afterwards, um, you know, like, you know, you know, because at some point I've had moments where I've just like, oh my God, I, that was really close. Like I... <laughs> I, you know, that could have gone a slight, you know, foot, you know, step to the left or right, that could have gone very differently and I wouldn't be here. And in that moment, and, it, and as I'm processing, I've realized often, in, in, I, I thought back to my childhood, I thought to myself, well, like one time I thought, I caught myself looking in the mirror, I was in Chechnya and it was like, I could have died. That, and then I, it's almost like name the fear name it as simple as that. Maybe it's you in the mirror. Like me, I just told myself, no one else heard. I could have died. So I owned the fear in my eyes. I'm just looking at the mirror. And it's almost like when you name it, your brain, uh, I, someone with more uh, degrees in, the, in, 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 you know, in neuroscience would, would, would be able to give the, the reason why, but I can just give you the, the sort of tactical lived reality. When, when I've named my fear, my brain somehow, it doesn't, it doesn't go away, but I, it's almost like a container. And now I can kind of see outside that container. Maybe it's only briefly. And then maybe I'm back in the container of like, oh my God. And you're still kind of the adrenaline. Eventually you'll work through that. But I mean, by naming it, my brain then came to me, well, that's not the first time. Do you remember when you're, you know, your horse like bolted on a city street and you, you know, and you had to jump and you thought you were about to die. I mean, there's been, or the drowning, you know, right. Or there's, there's been so many different times. You just have to realize, oh yeah, that time I was walking down the hallway and I looked down and there was a rattlesnake by my foot. I mean, you just think you start to, you, we all have these stories. I don't, I know I'm not unique because every time I talk about this, people stop and they say, you know, I was in a car, I had my children, the car behind me, I could see he was not going to stop. He was on his phone or, and I, something told me, and, and there was traffic right ahead of me, right? And I thought, oh my God, I'm gonna be smashed. This is, this is a true story. A woman was explaining this and she said, I, somehow I turned the wheels. So when he slammed into me, I didn't hit the little child and the next car and, the ne and, I, and my own family, we were pushed out of the way. And yes, they were hit. But you know what I mean? Like we all have these stories. So I, I do encourage people to, to kind of, yeah, take that time to, to reflect on your own stories of, of, of courage and survival. We're all on borrowed time, if you ask me. Um, yeah, I, I, won't, I won't go too much into that. Um, I will say that I also, like you said, I have a story about how I almost drowned my cousin because I jumped in the water, not knowing how to swim, and he went to help me. And what, what did I do? I freak out, right? So yes, we all have these stories. You're absolutely right. And I'm, I'm hoping that everyone who's listening right now and watching right now are, are will take a second just to think about, um, and these aren't, we weren't necessarily going this, this route, but really think about all of those <clears throat> bad instances in your life and how you overcame them or how, you know, I know that I could have died a few times in my life. And I'm like, when I think about it, like, wow, like life is precious. Um, and the same thing goes when I think about uh, when, when, when something's going wrong on a, on a program or project, something in my life is going wrong. I also look back and say, whoa, whoa, 
I had something like this happen six years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, and it hurt. It felt like it was the worst thing in, the, in my life, but I'm here today. I, I know I can get past this. Um, so that, that introspection is extremely important. Uh, thank you for calling that out. Um, well, I think we, we need to like a segue. Maybe at some point we need to like form the lunatic children who jump into water that can't swim club. But I mean, that, that's another aside. But yeah, absolutely. There's, I mean, look at the industry of motivational speakers, right? Like, come on, you, you know, if you, if you were thrust up on a stage or, you know, or, or you're, you know, you could, we have it in us. We have it in us. We've, and whether that's the bully or, you know, a parent that fell short, well, all parents fall short, but do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, a, you know, a parent that really fell short or there's, it doesn't even have to be, you know, our own, you know, kind of jumping into water stupidity, but I mean, it, we've all survived or, or just blind luck. And you just think, okay, but the bus didn't hit me. <laughs> that was close. I forgot to look left, not right. Thank you for tuning in to the Alex Tremble Show. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. The results are in. Research has found that networking is one of the four skills absolutely required to successfully advance in your career. However, when asked, most government employees state that they don't network because they believe that networking is for extroverts and for people who care more about their own careers than the organization's mission. But what if there was a way to ethically network without looking self-absorbed and being a super extrovert? Well, there is. Alex Tremble has created a seven-week online networking course specifically designed to give ambitious leaders like yourself the skills needed to become a strategic networker. This course uses time-tested and research-backed strategies to help you identify, build, and maintain critical relationships with influential leaders. Visit alextremble.com courses networking to learn more about his networking model today. Use the discount code podcastfamily on the checkout screen to receive a 20% discount. Don't delay. Enroll today at alextremble.com courses networking. Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year-round. WEPA has been insuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEPA can be used as a supplement or a replacement for Fegley and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEPA Group Term Life Insurance and see how much you could save by visiting WAEPA.org today. And now back to the Alex Tremble Show with your host, Alex Tremble. I'm, I'm going to go somewhere in a bit, but I do want to circle back around and just click. I, I heard you kind of touch on it in your last story, um, but I do remember you gave a talk at the annual director's meeting for the Yale New Haven Health. Um, and you talked about the power of intuitive adaptability. Um, can, can you share really quickly, what is intuitive adaptability? Yeah, you know, I think this is a, a concept that I, again, it's sort of unpacking that, that question of one, why would you go? And then what did you do? How did you manage? Because, you know, unlike the military, I didn't have, and, and most aid workers, you know, we don't have a structured industry that necessarily provides training, leadership development, teamwork experience, uh, you know, you know what's, a, what's an effective team. And, you know, of course, and then we're thrust into crisis management. So, um, you know, it is very much sink or swim. My goodness, we are we are so with the, with those water analogies, aren't we? <laughs> um, and, and so, um, but I think with with intuitive adaptability, I mean, it, it it's different things that I'm, I'm again I'm in the process of fleshing this out. But it is some of those 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 skills that you I, th I think it's it's the inherent um, capacity that we have as human beings. However, the more successful, the more comfortable you've been the less discomfort you've experienced, the less, um, the less, the fewer setbacks, you almost have this curse or the illusion of success, I would say. And so it's more, for, for whatever reason, I was more interested to kind of reinvent myself or explore new, un, new territory, territory for me. And, and so, um, 
I never got let allow myself to get comfortable. And therefore I had, you know, landing in new countries, no, no language, no limited context. And so there's a, a part of that was, you know, one, having the humility to recognize you're not an expert. Um, having, you know, and the commitment to listen, really listen. And like I said, so the more um, sustained and confident you are in your degrees, in, you know, in your record of work, the less, that's fantastic. And that, that's wonderful. But that can, that can numb those skills of saying, I don't know. Um, how do things work here? Um, and so I think, you know, that, that intuition does, we have it in us, but I think so many things numb that intuition. We, you know, it, it, we are even just the human species, we're social species. So, you know, we choose the, we choose the herd, we choose the group, we choose, you know, over the individual. We, we get seduced by charisma. You mentioned that. And so we say, oh, well, you must know the answer. So I'll defer to you leader, uh, you know, or spouse or, or director or manager, um, you know, government official, let me just defer to you because you're, you know, and so that we, so then we, what the, the questions and, and then the, the thoughts that naturally occur to us through that intuition, we, we tend to numb that down. So I'm a bit of an extreme example because I, you know, I haven't, you know, I, I've, I've started an education. I went into non-governmental crisis emergency response into different war zones. But then I ended up working, you know, getting recruited to work with the military in Afghanistan and then working with the government. And then, you know, and then afterwards working pre-deployment trainings with the military. So I think for me, intuitive adaptability is I never, when, if I get comfortable, then my intuition says, oh, you, you don't need me. Okay. And so it's, it's about that. It's about, you know, but, but I, I do think that within the pace of change and, and disruption, in our, you know, in, in an information age or, or a digital age, you know, where the answer might come from the lowest levels of your team, it might come from across the planet, or the threats can come, you know, you know, not in a military uniform of the quote enemy, but the, you know, could come in the form of, of, an, of a, a civilian that's a suicide bomber that looks like a vulnerable refugee. I mean, we, you know, the threats, you know, the, the world is so disruptive now that adaptability needs to be a core competency but until you've experienced that and 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 realize that the opportunity of disruption the opportunity of being thrown on the back foot is to say oh i actually have this this muscle that's laying dormant this intuition that is that is deep in our in our biology you know it's kept us alive over the years and but but it requires disruption and and change um, you know, to, to, to kind of realize, I don't know the answer here. Like I said that, you know, the number of times I've arrived and the plan that I was told, you know, the support, the minimal logistics that, that we have, I have to innovate on the fly. I, I have no choice. So it, it's kind of, yeah, how to awaken that in, intuition that, that is, that, like I said, we have this, you have this rich, you have this rich wealth of experience but we get seduced by what is success and then, and chasing that and then kind of um, numbing, you know, this incredible, you know, uh, wealth of information and, 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 and just deep inner knowing that you have. Um, and so I think that's the opportunity of our time is deep, you know, is, is rekindling that intuition and, 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 and grow, you know, test it and growing that muscle so that you can find that, you know, and I would say today without hesitation, Adaptability is my core competency, um, just because I've had so much disruption and change. You, you know, I, I just want to really quickly underscore a few things you said. I want to make sure everyone who's who's watching and, and listening um, catches this. Um, but you don't let yourself get comfortable. Um, a, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Jay Morris from uh, Yale New Haven Health, right? Um, VP for education, him and I talked about how both of us, every time we feel like we are getting comfortable in a situation, we intentionally put ourselves in a different situation to make us uncomfortable and make us learn something, something mm -hmm. new. Um, 
And so I, I love the idea about being intentional about that and making sure that you, you don't find yourself in a, a very comfortable position because you'll get lulled away. And then you end up in a situation, you could end up in a situation where if you do think you know that you're top SHIT and you think you know everything, your mind is now closed to new information, right? So you always have to remain humble. Um, you can be... Uh, you, you can understand that you've worked hard enough for something, um, uh, but it doesn't, it, that doesn't mean that you have to, to think that you know everything. I think Neil deGrasse Tyson, I can never get his quote right, but he always talks about how you need to know enough to be competent, but, know, but not know enough to know that you don't know everything. Um, and I, again, I always mess up his quote, but I, I, I love that what, what you're saying right now. Um, can, can I ask you, because... You, again, you've, you've worked in so many different sectors um, and it's all tied to public service. R regardless of where you've been, you, you've been tied to public service and you've also then again, been around the world. Um, how have you gone about building relationships, uh, networking? And, and I, I say this because now, right now we're dealing with COVID, right? And so most people are still having a challenge how do I network within my organization? You network across the world. How do you go about developing relationships with people in different countries who may not have the same, who likely don't have the same first language as you and have a completely different culture? How do you do this? Oh, well, I mean, yeah, more than that, not the same belief system, you know, not the same values, um, you know, so, I ended up working in highly traditional cultures often um, in which, you know, there wasn't a commensurate education levels. Um, you know, I, I think of, I think of working with farmers in Afghanistan in Southern Afghanistan. And, um, you know, if I turned up like this dressed up as I am right here, um, which I don't think is, would be considered risque in, in by, by most American standards, um, let's, for example, this would be shocking, right, uh, in, in, in rural Helmand. And so I can remember, um, you know, sitting and, and just realizing that, let's say, let's just go with this one example. These, these farmers are asking for alternatives to supporting the Taliban, to, to growing uh, poppies for, for the opium. They're asking for this. Um, and... And I'm not getting, I'm not going to touch on to the, the giant flaws in our policy, generally you know, broad, speaking, but the, just, just for, the, for the illustration of, of this point of, of, of coming, really, of, of how do we navigate extreme difference, um, you know, because in the end, that's what we're dealing with, I think, as, as we, we may have been highly diverse societies, but we haven't really owned what it is to live as diverse societies, right, and really mm -hmm. share mm -hmm. the resources you know, all voices weigh in and, 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 and learn to, you know, you know, what does it mean when, you know, to, 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 to share power. And so this is, you know, that's probably the application that I'm thinking of, but, but I, you know, I had to go there and I, if there's no way that if I came to them with my quote answer, like, Oh, it's very simple. If you want safety, security and, and economic prosperity, you need to educate your girls. Now here's what the world bank has, you know, here's the charts. The evidence is, you know, beyond the pale. There's not a country on the planet that when they chose to educate their girls did not rise in the economic, you know, uh, overall economic index. And so, but in that moment, in the space of a year, even, I mean, it, there, there's no way that I could come with that message. However, objectively um, evidenced, that's my world. I'm in their world. And if I, you know, and they're going to look at me and they're going to say, you know, they're going to see first, how am I dressed? They're going to see how I behave because they have certain expectations of women, of girls. And so I, I don't, I'll just have to give the answer because I don't know in, or, or how I did it. I'm not entirely sure where, again, I, I think it was just that intuition and it was coming from a place of, I am not the authority. I'm vulnerable. My, I'm, un, I'm unarmed. And I think, you know, the illusion of having weapons is, is, is um, another whole conversation to unpack, right? Because, you know, it's not, you know, what the, the most, you know, 
the most well-funded military in the world was still getting defeated by, you know, bombs that were like a, a two, $2 made of, you know, urine, uh, you know, I mean, so, I mean, uh, so, I mean, it, it, so, but I mean, so, like, so what, what in some ways my gift was that I was unarmed. So I had no illusion. My security comes from the people, the people I'm working with. And so I had to look at them and realize they're not actually going to listen to me. And this has to be incremental. And so I would say within, in order to communicate and to get a message across and to meet them where they're at, I'm going to dress as, as they would expect. Um, well, it's already odd that I would be even speaking to them, but I think I, I think I was kind of, and this is before, this is, I thought I, I would say a third gender, but I know that in this day and age, that doesn't make as much sense anymore. But I used to say that I was a third gender because I look like a woman, but I had relative, the relative power of a man in their world. So I was something in between. But, um, you know, so it, basically, if they would, if, if it would be more effective to let a man have the power, a local man that, that they did respect, I looked at who do they respect? Who do they listen to? Can I leverage that power to help them and to help them get at least, at least, at least introductory projects going so that they can begin to kind of explore a different way? Um, and, and so I think, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's looking at power. What is, here's, what, here's the person I want to help or assist or, um, or, or get on board. Who do, where, you have, to start, you have to start at their point, right? You can't start at my, my comfort level. What's their comfort level? And so, for example, you know, if they didn't expect me to look them in the eye, then I was happy to keep my eye, my glance, no eye contact. I was happy to engage them and just defer to my male colleague, my translator, or, you know, let, let him have the power. Because in the end, do I want a successful project or do I need my personal ego, you know, to be in charge? I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm answering the question. I'm, I'm giving an example. No, but, um, I think you just did a perfect illustration of influence, right? I think way, way too many people actually, to use your last word, are, are so focused on their ego that they want to always influence directly. And influence isn't always directly. Um, a lot of the time, I believe it's indirect. You know, if, if, if I know that I can get my, uh, my thing supported by talking to this lady over here, who I know is a really good friend of the decision maker, then I'm gonna talk to the lady over here who's a good, good friend. I don't need to go directly there. You know, just, you know, as what you're talking about, like global politics, right? And again, we're not talking about like, big P politics. We're talking about um, how um, nations work together, how governments work together. Um, there are many times where one agency wants another agency to do it, but they know they can't, they can't make them do it. So they go somewhere else. They'll maybe go to a partner. They'll go to an outside organization. They'll go somewhere else to try to influence around. And so I love how you, how you, you took yourself, your ego, I, again, I love that word. You took your ego out of it and said, what do I want to get done? And how is the most effective, what is the most effective way to make that happen? And you did it. I, I, I really appreciate that. And I, I know we, we've been talking for a while, so we're, we're going we're gonna to wrap up fairly soon. I do want to make a very, uh, I guess, unexpected um, reference that I hope you'll roll with me with. And um, before we start today, I thought you were from London. Um, and I'm not sure if anyone else who is listening and watching today um, can hear, but you have a bit of an accent. Maybe, maybe it's a subtle accent, but I hear an accent. And it, what it made me feel was like, this is when I, I, I found that you were, you're from California. You and I are both from California. I found that you spending time abroad changed you, right? Um, but change doesn't mean bad. You've incorporated certain aspects of the cultures that you've been around. Um, and that's, I, I would say, likely a good thing. And so I always wanted to kind of underscore the point you made earlier about the importance of um, our country, especially people, everyone, period. But, you know, our, government workers, if, especially if your job interacts with other countries and other cultures and different people, get outside your comfort zone, spend some time with them. You will very likely change, but I would assume in most cases change for the better. Do, do you have any thoughts? Is this a random thing that I was kind of thinking about as I heard, heard you speaking? 
Well, uh, y- yes. I mean, I think I could go with a platitude of, you know, diverse, you know, d- you know, expand yourself, whatever. I, 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 I'm, an, I'm more of an extreme example. So I, I don't want to like uphold myself as, you know, because I think the, the illustration that comes to mind as you're talking is every decision is a trade-off. So, um, and, and, and it, it, not just my life, every life, right? So, you know, if, you, if you're going to step to the left, you can't take another step to the right, right? You, you have to choose so at the most basic level. And I, I do think it's important to own that the decisions we make and where we find ourselves, there's a trade-off for it. And what I would, what I would encourage people to think about is, it, it, again, it goes to that intentionality and that, you know, that, that Greek aphorism, know thyself, ancient Greek aph- aphorism. Um, and I think that it's not that I didn't struggle, you know, and didn't, you know, kind of, you know, living on you know, this last year when people started living on lockdown, I kept thinking, wow, welcome to my world. You know, I and my colleagues have lived for years on lockdown, you know, and it's, you know, and, and was that, was that a piece of cake? No. Did we enjoy it? No. Did we want to go out and, you know, explore the locals, you know, um, towns or villages or climb in the mountains? Of course we did. But one of the things, so just just maybe a point, a point on mental health and, and, and about, you know, the, the, the question of our needs change over time. So the adrenaline and the danger and some of the exploration of my earlier, if 20 years ago, is not, you know, that doesn't feed me the same way now. And I am, you know, kind of working at a different level of, of, of education and writing and speaking now in a different way than, than frontline response. Um, but I think that in those moments, when you find yourself where you're at and you know something's wrong, and that could be your job, a relationship, a location where you live, or you just, something isn't right. And you need, you know, one of the things I would do would be to sort of make a list of saying, what do I get for being here? And I might say like, oh, I love working with this team. Oh, I hate, you know, I hate that I have to be back, you know, in the compound at five o'clock and that's it till tomorrow at eight o'clock. And, oh my God, what am I going to do? How much more can I do in a shared compound, you know, or a shared bedroom or, you know, the, you know, there, there, there's just a limit, right? Especially, you know, giving up exercise sometimes and you can't get out and run or swim or, and so it's, it's important to like, what, but what am I getting for here? Now, what am I giving up? Well, I'm giving up the ability to dress or go to a museum or, you know, see my family or, I mean, there's things we're giving up. And I would look at that balance sheet and I would say, is this acceptable? Is this still acceptable to give up those things? Because of course I wanted to spend Christmas with family, but Christmas all might, in my case, might come November, you know, at Thanksgiving, or it might not come till January, depending on, you know, when, you know, I, someone, you know, we would juggle who gets to go at, you know, you know, gets to go home and take a break at what time. And that's not always up to you. And so I just would encourage people that as, you know, again, with that navigating the world as we find it, navigating, um, growing that, that muscle uh, of, of intuition, pushing ourselves, learning to grow a comfort with discomfort, which is only just, you know, it gives you more survival skills uh, and, and, and you know, it makes you more competitive. That, you know, one way, one way to kind of measure in the moment you know, have my needs changed? You know, for example, am I, am I still excited for the adrenaline? You know, do I, oh, it's worth it to get on the helicopters and fly all over the place. You know, okay, if that's enough, then maybe you can, you know, let go of the other side of the, of the list. But equally, if it's no longer acceptable to what you're giving up to be in wherever you are in life, then something does need to change. And I think that's maybe what I would. Um, I would, I would add I would add before I give you the the last word to kind of share any final thoughts you have. Um, For most people, I feel this is anecdotal. This is completely anecdotal right now. Um, I'm not sure everyone is in a situation to even make that checklist um, because they haven't put themselves in a different situation where they can say this is better than the other. Um, I know growing up myself in California, I always I, I was lucky. I visited Mexico a lot. A, a lot in California, but I always, always went to Ensenada and Rosarita. And those were places I saw a lot of poverty while I was out there. And so in my mind, that was Mexico. Um, it wasn't until graduate school that I spent three year, uh, three months living with a Mexican family in, Cuernavaca, family in Cuernavaca that I realized, whoa, there's a completely different Mexico. 
Um, my wife is from Myanmar and uh, yeah, I'm thinking, you know, the U.S. is best in everything. But Myanmar, they have some really beautiful things that we've never got in here. I tell people Costa Rica, Costa Rica doesn't have the same amenities as America. But I almost didn't come back just because how everyone just loved each other and the, the, the atmosphere, the family atmosphere. And then I think about Hong Kong. Um, the, if you go to the D.C. metro station, you think, oh, it's a good metro, right? It's nice and clean. Um, go to Hong Kong. Like <laughs> the, the technology they have there. I mean, there's. I, I do feel like, and this is not, I'm saying, right now we're talking about international, I'm talking about just even outside of your city. Um, try other places because you really, until you've tried something, it's really hard, I think, to compare it to what you have because most people believe that what they have is right. This is how you do it. Um, I think this is one of the problems that we have. You know, this is my personal thing. I think this is one of the problems we have in the country right now is that uh, many people believe that their way is the right way. And there is no other way. Um, and they would probably benefit a great deal from uh, uh, being exposed to other ways of living and getting things done. So that's my thing. I'll, I'll stop talking on that. Um, so Holly, do you have any final thoughts, suggestions, recommendations that you would like to share with those who are with us today? Well, just to point on that, like, yeah, I'm right, or this is right, or one way, you know, I mean, you know, all we need to do is look at human history or biological history. I mean, that, that is like your, that's like your fast track ticket to extinction, right? Because <laughs> you're putting all your eggs in one basket. So why would you do that, right? Like, I mean, even if you think you're right, you might, you know, I mean, we should at least know what, you know, I mean, it's just as a survival tactic, one way is not, you know, it's just, it's just limiting yourself. Um, and, and the other point is that clearly we're, we're living a parallel life because in addition to the, to the drowning, we also as kids are you know, traveling across the border into Mexico to support an orphanage. And yeah, it was the first time I saw, you know, what the cars, you know, drove on dirt roads. And I mean, well, I knew dirt roads, but I mean, dirt roads that were not safe, you know, or very vulnerable. Um, and yeah, and just real desperate, um, no running water, that sort of thing. So, I mean, that was, you're right. That was, a, a wow, we're, 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 we're some, we're two sides of some kind of coin, cosmic mm -hmm. coin. Um, yeah, no, I think just, uh, I think it's a really good point you make that maybe you're right, that that analogy of, I was able to draw up that list of what am I giving up and not. So I just want to, I don't want to lose that because I think it's still possible if you have not necessarily experienced something differently or you don't think you have, I would still say dig deep and, and reflect because maybe it's, maybe it's just going back to saying, what did I dream as a child? What is one of the, what, so maybe it, it the, I think the challenge, the issue is just, or the, or the, the trick is just to engage a different version of yourself and and see what that might look like and i'm in the process of realizing a childhood dream of learning to row i mean you know i who knows where i saw some image of a single sculler in the mist and the water and and by you know you know it's my own learning curve i thought it was going to be this because of that picture i thought oh it's going to be this zen you know meditation thing and it couldn't be worse i mean it's the most frightening like a awkward mess at least at, at, at my stage but i'm trying it right it's not too late in the middle in middle age to kind of take up a childhood dream so it could be even experience what will what will challenge you what will kind of just push you towards something that you know that either gives you more survival more adaptability those kind of skills but maybe it's just you know that you grow a confidence from reconnecting to something that you actually you put on a shelf because you became a mother or father or you became a, a researcher or you know whatever whatever path you took you had other ideas as a little child so maybe it's even just engaging that difference and holly thank you thank you so much so much so much for for being with us here today and sharing all the valuable life lessons that you that you shared with us, especially on all those topics of fear and and and, and courage and 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 working across boundaries, I think everyone, especially myself, have learned a great deal from our time today together today. Um, before we wrap up, I do want to just give a shout out also to um, our partner podcast uh, with this, which is Fed Upward, and they are a great org a great podcast specifically focused on helping better employees. Um, with the more technical skills they, uh, that are required to be successful within the government. So check out that podcast as well. Um, look, this is Alex Trumbull. We bring you these, 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 these interviews from these very ex exceptional 
executives and leaders from across the world because we want you to not only grow uh, yourself and reach the, the career advancements that you want to have and you've dreamed of, but because we also want you to do what I'm always talking about. What is that? Don't look back, reach back. So if there is someone else who you believe would benefit from hearing what Holly had to share today, please don't keep this information to yourself. Bring that person along with you. Share the link, share the video, whatever it may be. Make sure they, they hear what was shared today. Make sure you click a like, the subscribe, leave a comment. We'd love to hear from your thoughts. Um, I'll have um, Holly's information in the description below. And as always, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. See you, everyone. Bye, Holly. Thanks for listening. Find us online at thealextrembleshow.com and be sure to share what you've learned with at least one other person today. Check back on the first and third Wednesday of each month for new episodes. Until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.